When Birth Control by Charles D. Proban, as read by Michael Wyatt. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books, many free Christian resources, as well as SWRB's complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts is on the web at www.swrb.com. This book, The Bible and Birth Control, is also available from Stillwater's Revival Books in soft cover format at a discount in our A to Z author listings. And please don't forget to look over the 62 CDs that make up our Reformation bookshelf and Puritan bookshelf CD sets. If you visit our website at swrb.com, as these CDs are a great way to build a major reform library at a fraction of the cost of the printed books. Now to our reading of the Bible and birth control, which we pray you find to be a great blessing and which we hope draws you near to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible and birth control is copyrighted 1989 by the author Charles D. Provan and is read to audio with his written permission. David Piraeus, P-A-R-A-E-U-S, Calvinist, 1548 to 1586, Commentary on Genesis 38. Nevertheless, Onan knew... Detestable was the deed of Onan, who in sexual intercourse preferred to waste his seed rather than procreate children, lest he raise up offspring for his brother. For he knew that by custom the firstborn would not be his, but his dead brother's. This was not only wicked jealousy for his brother, but also savage cruelty, which God considered on the same level as parasite. For what is it to waste the seed other than kill the fetus and the human being that is to be born from it? Because of this he was justly killed by God by a sudden blow, it seems, or by a fatal disease. On the other hand, we learn how much God hates every abuse of genital seed, illicit emission and wasting it, and we learn that we are to live chaste and holy lives before God in marriage, just as much as in the celibate life. For God sees and punishes every impurity, even those which are committed in secret. Simon Patrick, Anglican, 1626-1707 Commentary on Genesis 38, verse 10 The thing which he did displeased the Lord. This made his sin the more heinous, that he acted against the divine promise made to Abram concerning the multiplying of his seed, especially against the belief of the promise of the Messiah, that seed for which all good men longed. Matthew, Matthew Poole, Nonconformist, 1624-1679, to Commentary on Genesis 38, verse 9. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. Two things are here noted. One, 
the sin itself which is here particularly described by the Holy Ghost that men might be instructed concerning the nature and the great evil of this sin of self-pollution which is such that it brought about upon the actor of it the extraordinary vengeance of God and which is condemned not only by scripture but even by the light of nature in the judgment of heathens who have expressly censored it as a great sin and as a kind of murder of which see my Latin synopsis whereby we may sufficiently understand how wicked and abominable a practice this is amongst Christians and in the light of the gospel which lays greater and stricter obligations upon us to purity and severely forbids all pollution both of flesh and spirit. 2. The cause of this wickedness which seems to have been either hatred of his brother or envy at his brother's name and honor springing from the pride of his own heart. Franklin Ramsey, Calvinist 1836 circa paraphrase of Genesis 38 9 but Onan knew that the offspring would not be his own and so whenever he was with his brother's wife he would pollute the ground rather than give offspring to his brother what he did was bad in the eyes of Jehovah and he took away his life also Heinrich Richter Lutheran 1799 to 1847 in verse 9 shameless atrocities are designated that one does not want to mention whosoever practices this or something similar things which from Onan have the name Onani or Onanism cannot inherit the kingdom of God 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 and 10 verse 8 Onan's behavior was punished by God with death because it happened contrary to the purpose of marriage and out of devilish jealousy and was also murder. Such silent sins always draw down the wrath of God, but even such atrocious sinners of whom the world is now full can still receive grace in the blood of Christ if they come to him in repentance, according to Titus 3.3 in Ephesians 2.3 Andre Reve that's R-I-V-E-T Calvinist 1573 to 1651 Commentary on Genesis 38 verse 9 Now this is what Onan did and what happened to him in consequence The cause which moved him to defraud his brother's wife and intentionally to deceive his parents was spite and envy he could not openly reject his father's command because he was even held to this by the common law. He considered the future offspring which Tamar would conceive not his own but his brother's if he legitimately followed the custom with her. He abused the law of marriage in which he consented and then exercised his lust and under this pretext impurely contaminated himself, pouring the seed on the ground neither did he provide posterity for his brother we are limited from saying more about this by reason of modesty but to pay it any attention at all any abuse of the seed especially voluntarily pouring it out again outside of marriage is a most serious sin 
and it is a and it is necessary to guard against the suggestions of an impure spirit with which Satan lies in ambush for many in the age of adolescence and first puberty, whom he incites shamefully and effeminately to pollute and contaminate their own bodies, corrupting themselves and inflicting a serious wound on their own consciences, which sin is most frequent among those to whom honorable marriage and the undefiled bed seem vile, among whom it is also it is often found he who himself quote he who himself is adulterer harlot and pimp end quote hence this is what the famous jesuit scaliger s c a l i g e r in his epistles often calls onanism from which he has frequently heard that this is what the Apostle calls Malachian, M-A-L-A-K-I-A-N, effeminacy, 1 Corinthians 6.9. Yet this was not properly the sin of Onan, except insofar as he poured the seed on the ground. Therefore, those who, by the same forbidden lust or violent abortions of offspring, destroy it before it is born, are like wicked Onan and involve themselves in the same type of crime and sin. For although every sin is evil and displeases God, they are still not all expressly said to be the same, so that some are more to be detested. That is even shown by the most immediate punishment that God did not permit him to live any longer who deprived a generation of life and killed off the fetus in its own seed. Sebastian Schmidt, Calvinist, 1617-1696, Commentary on Genesis 38 Onan's act is most disgraceful and contrary to the order of nature. He seems to have done it not only out of jealousy towards his dead brother, but also and probably chiefly from greed, lest part of the inheritance be transferred. Paul said earlier that to be evil in one's eyes is to displease mightily so that one can't accept it. One just can't accept it. From this and from this Excuse me. From this and from his speedy punishment, that is, death, the severity of the onatic sin is clear. Friedrich W.J. Schroeder, S-C-H-R-O-D-E-R, Reformed, 1817-1876, Commentary on Genesis 38. The seed has the promise of salvation, the promise on which the fathers grew. The leveret law was but a peculiar aspect, as it were, of that universal care for offspring which formed the Old Testament response to God's covenant faithfulness. Onan's sin is a murder. It is, is, it is as if the curse of Canaan descended upon those sons from a Canaanitish woman. Thomas Scott, Anglican, 1747-1821 Commentary on Genesis 38, verses 9-10 Onan's habitual conduct, for this is meant, was not only unnatural and detestable in itself, but full of envy and malice, 
and not without something of the nature of murder in it. For the same principle would have induced him to murder a child born to him, but accounted his brothers, if he could have done it with impunity. It implied also a contempt for the promise of a numerous posterity made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that of the, that seed specifically in whom all nations should be blessed. The scriptures sparingly hint at those vile practices which, being done in secret, are ashamed to be spoken of. This suffices to show that the Lord notices and abhors them and will bring to light all the lasciviousness of which it is to be feared multitudes are guilty in heart and life who stand fair in the world's esteem. Then the secret history of every individual who hath not truly repented and washed away his sins in the blood of Christ will be written with an impartial pen and published to the world of men and angels. Every mouth will be stopped and God's righteousness in the condemnation of sinners manifested to the whole universe. John Skinner, 1851-1925 Commentary on Genesis 38 Onan, on the other hand, is slain because of the revolting manner in which he persistently evaded the sacred duty of raising up seed to his brother. It is not to correct to say with Gu that his only, that's G-U, that his only offense was his selfish disregard of his deceased brother's interest. Richard Stock Circa 19, excuse me, Richard Stock, Puritan, circa 1626, on Malachi 2, verse 15. And so, especially for the church and increase of God's kingdom, for though he can make children of stones, yet he hath ordained this means. Therefore, little reason and less religion hath the church of Rome to prefer virginity before holy marriage. For besides that may be said of them, it were better that they would approve virginity by their deeds than praise by their words. End quote. And as Jerome said, quote, Why does the tongue sound out chastity and the whole body show forth uncleanness? End quote. Or as Epiphanius said of the or, orig, 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 Oregonists, Quote, you refuse marriage but not lust, end quote. It is not holiness but hypocrisy that is in honor amongst you. Besides this, virginity is never saved only in some respect better than marriage, but marriage is oft times absolutely better than virginity, and by no reason more than this, because this may increase the church and bring forth sons and daughters to God, not that. The writings of Epiphanius, circa 315 to 402, on the organists, which Stock quotes, is about the deed of Onan and is as follows. Quote, there are some who they call organists, which sect of humans is not spread everywhere. Nevertheless, this heresy comes in in the next place after the above. But for what reason they are called organists is not clear. Whether this was from Oregon, as was said 
by Adamantheus, who was known as Syntacius, or from some other. Besides, as I said, I am completely ignorant. I have accepted nothing beyond the name itself. Their heresy truly conforms to the teachings of Epiphanius, about whom I have previously made sermons against the sects of the Gnostics. They have cut out various books of the Old and New Testament. They repudiate marriage, but they do not refrain from obscene lust, even to the point that they contaminate their bodies, minds, and souls with every kind of filth. For certain of them profess the monastic life in appearance, and likewise their women prefer the same rule of life. All these have corrupted bodies to the extent that when they satisfy their lust, they commit that crime, as I would more honorably call it, which Judah's son Onan is said to have committed. For when he used to have sex with Tamar and satisfy his desire, he would do nothing for the propagation of children in the way it has been established for humans by God. Instead, he acted in such a way doing that shameful act as he brought injury on himself. So, the Orogeans are wont to follow that old practice in regard to the things that are to be done for detestable lust, for they carry on not chastity, but the simulation of chastity, to which they give the name falsely, which accent brings it about that what every woman is ravished, she does not get pregnant, or does not carry the fetus, so that nobody knows, among them, by this their own rule of what they call chastity. They desire to maintain their prestige and reputation. And this worthless work of theirs is also a crime. But others carry on that wicked and shameful thing in other ways than with women, and they abuse themselves with their own hands for foul purposes. No less do they imitate the son of Judah, whom I mention. For, by their nefarious sins and the distillation of their abominable fluid, they pollute the earth. For they destroy their ejaculate on the ground, lest it should be used for any procreation of the fetus. Jeremy Taylor, Anglican Arminian, 1613-1667 Rules for Married Persons or Matrimonial Chastity In their permissions and license, they must be sure to observe the order of nature and the ends of God. Quote, he is an ill husband that uses his wife as a man treats a harlot, end quote, having no other end but pleasure, concerning which our best rule is that although in this, as in eating and drinking, there is an appetite to be satisfied which cannot be done without pleasing that desire. Yet, since that desire and satisfaction was intended by nature for other ends, they should never be separate from those ends, but always be jo joined with all or one of these ends. Quote, with a desire of children, or to avoid fornication, or to lighten and ease their cares and sadnesses of household affairs, or to endear each other, end quote. But never with a purpose, either in act or desire, to separate the sensuality from these ends which hallow it. 
Onan did separate his act from its proper end, and so ordered his embraces that his wife should not conceive, and God punished him. W. H. Griffith Thomas, Anglican Calvinist, 1861-1924 Commentary on Genesis 38 We are not surprised that from this wicked association wicked sons should have sprung. The firstborn was so wicked that he came under the divine displeasure, and the Lord slew him. The second son was as bad, if not worse, and was guilty of that sin to which his name has ever since been given, and of which it will suffice to say that it is perhaps the very deadliest of all sins as affecting definitely body, mind, and soul, and as having slain its, slain its thousands in all ages of the world's history. John Trapp Puritan, 1601-1669 Commentary on Genesis 38, verse 9 When he went in unto his brother's wife, God, for the respect he bears to his own institution of marriage, is pleased to bear with, cover, and not impute many frailties, follies, vanities, wickednesses that are found betwixt man and woman, man and wife. Howbeit, there is required of such a holy care and conscience to preserve between themselves by a conjugal chastity the marriage bed undefiled, taking heed of an intemperate or intempestive, intempestive use of it, by which by divines both ancient and modern is deemed no better than plain adultery before God. He who lies with his wife as if with a strange woman is an adulterer, saith the heathen, Seneca. Onan's sin here was self-pollution, aggravated much by his envy that moved him to it, expressed in these words, lest he should give seed to his deceased brother. And the more sinful was the sin of his in spilling his seed, because it should have served for the propagation of the Messiah. Therefore, the Lord slew him, as also because he was not warned by his brother's punishment. Johann Christian Friedrich Tuch, Tuch, T-U-C-H, Reformed. Commentary on Genesis 38. Out of misfavor against his brother, Onan knows how to keep the marriage unfruitful with the help of the vice named after him, for which reason, for and for that reason Jehovah lets him die. Onan, indeed, undertakes the lever at marriage, but the main purpose of it, Ruth already cited, he knows how to evade through the acknowledged vice indicated in verse 9, and, it, and this sin brought God's punishment with it. James Usher, Anglican, Calvinist, Westminster Divine, on the Seventh Commandment. How does a man exercise uncleanness in act? Either by himself or with others. How by himself? By the horrible sin of Onan, Genesis 38.9. Lustful dreams and nocturnal pollutions, Deuteronomy 23.10. Arising from excessive eating and unclean cogitations or other sinful means, Jude 8. 
2 Peter 2, verse 8, uh, 10, and Galatians 5, 19, and Colossians 3, 5. C.F. Vent, circa 1876, The Crime of Onan. But there is a practice so universal that it may well be termed a national vice, so common that it is unblushingly acknowledged by its perpetrators, for the commission of which the husband is even eulogized by his wife and applauded by her friends, a vice which is the scourge and the desolation of marriage. It is the crime of Onan. He spilled the seed upon the ground lest children should be born, and therefore the Lord slew him because he did a detestable thing. Who can doubt that Almighty God in this terrible punishment wished to impart to man a positive moral instruction which should endure to the end of time, for the crime of Onan will have imitators while the world endures, as what crimes will not? But that these should be found among men of respectability would surpass belief, if the thing were not notoriously true. At any rate, the conjugal Onests of this age and country are more numerous than the exceptions. Ministers of the gospel, prominent church members, the very elite of society, well nigh monopolize the art, for it is far less common to find repugnance to offspring in the lower classes than in, quote, upper tendom, end quote. John Wesley, Methodist Arminian, 1703 to 1791. Commentary on Genesis 38, verse 7. The next brother, Onan, was, according to the ancient usage, married to the widow to preserve the name of his deceased brother, Ur, that died childless. This custom of marrying the brother's, brother's widow was afterward made one of the laws of Moses, Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. Onan, though he consented to marry the widow, yet to the great abuse of his own body, of the wife he had married, and the memory of his brother that was gone, he refused to raise up seed unto his brother. Those sins that dishonor the body are very displeasing to God, and the evidence of vile affections. Observe, the thing which he did displeased the Lord, and it is to be feared thousands, especially of single persons, by this very thing still displease the Lord and destroy their own souls. Westminster Annotations, Calvinist, 1657. Commentary on Genesis 38, verse 9, by John Lay of the Westminster Assembly. The lewdness of this fact was composed of lust, of envy, and murder. The first appears in that he went rashly upon it. It seems he stayed not till night for the time of privacy for such a purpose, else the bed would have been named as well as the ground. The second is plain by the text. He envied at the honor of his dead brother, and therefore would not be father of any child that should be reputed his and not his own. And the third, in that there was a seminal vital virtue which perished if the seed be spilled, and by doing this to hinder the beginning of a living child is the first degree of murder that can be committed 
and the next unto it is the marring of conception when it is made and causing of abortion. Now such acts are noted in the scripture as horrible crimes because otherwise many might commit them and not know the evil of them. It is conceived that his brother heir before was his brother in evil thus far, that both of them satisfy their sensuality against the order of nature, and therefore the Lord cut them off both alike with sudden vengeance, which may be for terror to those popish Onanites who condemn marriage and live in sodomatical impurity, and to those who, in marriage, care not for the increase of children, which is the principal use of the conjugal estate, but for the satisfying of their concupiscence. Christopher Wordsworth, Anglican, 1807-1887, Commentary on Genesis 38, verse 7. Wicked in the sight of the Lord. The Hebrews and the Christians agree that Er committed the same kind of effeminate sin and retraction as Onan, which is contrary to the nature of procreation and marriage, for it destroys the fetus and it is called detestable. End quote. A. Lapai. Thus ends the uh, the first three chapters of Charles Proban's writings. Uh, what I will now read is, are two appendixes at the end. Uh, appendix one is a list of additional Protestant theologians who oppose birth control. Appendix two uh, are writings from the Pilgrims and A.W. Pink on birth control. Appendix one, a list of additional Protestant theologians who oppose birth control. Richard Baxter, Nonconformist, 1615-1691. Samuel Thomas Bloomfield, Anglican, 1790-1869. William Bradford, Pilgrim, 1590-1657. Heinrich Bullinger, Reformed, 1504 to 1575. Martin Bucher, Reformed, 1491 to 1551. Joseph Carlyle, Westminster Divine, 1602 to 1673. Anthony Comstock, Presbyterian, 1844 to 1915. David Engelsma, Calvinist, present day. Simon Episcopus, Episci, I'm sorry, E P I S C O P I U S, Simon Episcopius, Arminian, 1583 to 1643. Ludwig Fuhrbringer, Lutheran, 1864 to 1947. Thomas Gattaker, Westminster Divine, 1574 to 1654. The Geneva Bible, Calvinist, 1608. Charles Gore, Anglican, early 1900s. William Gouge, Westminster Divine, 
1575 to 1653. William Greenhill, Westminster Divine, 1591 to 1671. Robert Hall, Calvinist Baptist, 1764 to 1831. Edward Lee, Westminster Divine, and that's L E I G H. 1602 to 1671. Thomas Robert Malthus, Anglican, 1766 to 1834. Thomas Manton, Nonconformist, 1620 to 1677. Martin Justice Naaman or Nauman, N A U M A N N, Lutheran, 1901 to 1972. John Owen, Nonconformist, 1616 to 1683. Arthur W. Pink, Calvinist Baptist, 1886 to 1952. Edward Pocock, Anglican, 1604 to 1691. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Calvinist Baptist, 1834 to 1892. John B. Robbins, Evangelical, circa 1896. Richard Rogers, Puritan, 1550 to 1618. The Saxonian Confession. Francis Taylor, Westminster Divine, 1590 to 1657. Zacharias Ursinius, Calvinist, 1534 to 1583. Richard Watson, Methodist, 1781 to 1833. John Weems, Anglican, 1579 to 1636. Adolf Wuttke, Protestant, 1819 to 1870. Recently discovered, Robert Dabney, Presbyterian, 1820 to 
He resolved to take Mr. Lyford's advice and judgment of this maiden, being the minister of the place, and so broke the matter unto him, and he promised faithfully to inform him, but would first take better knowledge of her and have private conference with her, and so had sundry times and in conclusion commended her highly to the young man as a very fit wife for him. So they were married together, but sometime after marriage the woman was much troubled in mind and afflicted in conscience, and did nothing but weep and mourn, and long it was before her husband could get of her what was the cause. But at length she discovered the thing and prayed him to forgive her, for Lyford had overcome her and defiled her body before marriage, after he had commended him unto her for a husband. And she resolved to have him when he came to her in that private way. The circumstances I forbear, for they would offend chaste ears to hear them related. For though he satisfied his lust on her, yet he endeavored to hinder conception. These things being thus discovered, the woman's husband took some godly friends with him to deal with Lyford for this evil. At length he confessed it with a great deal of seeming sorrow and repentance, but was forced to leave Ireland upon it, partly for shame and partly for fear of further punishment. For the godly withdrew themselves from him upon it, and so coming into England unhappily, he was lit upon and sent hither. Being in this great assembly and before the moderators in handling the former matters about the letters, upon provocation in some heat of reply to some of Lyford's defenders, Mr. Winslow let fall these words that he had dealt knavishly, upon which one of his friends took hold and called for witnesses, that he called a minister of the gospel knave and would prosecute law upon it, which made a great tumult, tumult, upon which, to be short, this matter broke out, and the witness were produced, and the witnesses were produced, whose persons were so grave and evidence so plain and the facts so foul, yet delivered in such modest and chaste terms, and with such circumstances as struck all his friends mute and made them all ashamed, insomuch as the moderators with great gravity declared that the former matters gave them cause enough to refuse him and to deal with him as they had done. But these made him unmeet for ever to bear ministry any more, what repentance soever he should pretend, with much more to like effect, and so wished his friends to rest quiet. Thus was his matter ended. Now from Arthur W. Pink, Calvinist, 1886-1952. Any teaching that leads men and women to think of the marriage bond as the sign of bondage and the sacrifice of all independence to construe wifehood and motherhood as drudgery and interference with woman's higher destiny and public sentiment to cultivate celibacy as more desirable and honorable or to substitute anything else for marriage and home, not only invades God's ordinances, but opens the door to nameless crimes and threatens the very foundations of society. Now it is clear that marriage must have particular reasons for the appointment of it. Three are given in Scripture. First, for the propagation of children. This is its obvious and normal purpose. 
So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created him. Genesis 1, verse 27. Not both males or both females, but one male and one female. And to make the design of this unmistakably plain, God said, Be fruitful and multiply. For this reason, marriage is called matrimony, which signifies motherage, because it results in virgins becoming mothers. Therefore, it is desirable that marriage be entered into at an early age, before the prime of life be passed. Twice in Scripture we read of the wife of thy youth, Proverbs 5, verse 18, and Malachi 2, verse 15. We have pointed out that the propagation of children is the normal end of marriage, yet there are special seasons of acute distress when 1 Corinthians 7 verse 29 holds good. 1 Corinthians 7:29 says, What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they had none. And now for a final word on our text. Marriage is honorable in all who are called thereunto, no class of persons being precluded. This clearly gives the lie to the pernicious teaching of Rome concerning the celibacy of the clergy, as does also 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, etc. And the bed undefiled not only signifies fidelity to the marriage vow, 1 Thessalonians 4, 4, but that the conjugal act of intercourse is not polluting. In their unfallen state, Adam and Eve were bidden to multiply, yet moderation and sobriety is to obtain here. As in all things, we do not believe in what is termed birth control, but we do earnestly urge self-control, especially by the husband. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. This is a most solemn warning against unfaithfulness. Those who live and die impenitently in these sins will eternally perish. Ephesians 5, verse 5. I will now read the table of contents as uh, Charles Proban has it in his uh, text. Um, the introduction, the author's note, acknowledgments. Chapter 1, Nine Reasons Why the Bible Prohibits Birth Control, pages 1 through 32. Chapter Introduction is on page 3. Reason number 1, Be Fruitful and Multiply, page 5. Reason number 2, Children are a Blessing from God, The More the Better, page 7. Reason number 3, Childlessness is an Unfortunate Thing, page 9. Reason number four, the Onan incident, page 12. Reason number five, death penalties for sexual offenses, page 16. Number, reason number six, castration as a blemish, page 20. Reason number seven, seed as semen or children, page 23. Reason number eight, the natural function of women, page 27. Reason number nine, childbirth and salvation for women, page 29. Chapter summary, page 32. Chapter two, 
Two Alternate Viewpoints on Birth Control and Their Rebuttals, pages 33 through 60. Alternate Viewpoint number one, Another View on Onan, page 35. Rebuttal number one, Replying to a Concerned Friend, page 38. Alternate View number two, Devil's Advocate, page 44. Rebuttal number two, Replying to the Devil's Advocate, page 49. Chapter 3, Protestant Theologians and the Onan Incident, pages 61 through 98. Chapter Introduction, page 63. Protestant Theologians on the Onan Incident, page 65. Appendix number 1, a list of additional Protestant theologians who opposed birth control, page 93. And Appendix 2, The Pilgrims and A.W. Pink on Birth Control, page, nine, page 95. The Copyright, 1989, by Charles D. Provan. Scripture taken from the New American Standard Bible. Copyrighted 1960, 1962, 1963, 1968, 1971, 1972, 1973, 1975, 1977 by the Lockman Foundation, used by permission. Scripture also taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, International Bible Society, used by permission of Zondervan Bible Publishers. Published by Zimmer Printing, 410 West Main Street, Monongahela, Pennsylvania, 15063, United States. The Bible and Birth Control is copyright 1989 by the author Charles D. Provan and is read to audio with his permission. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources as well as SWRB's complete mail order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com by phone at area code 780-450-3730, by fax at 780, area code 468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, that's AB, Canada, T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add, that's A-D-D, at swrb.com with the word add, add, A-D-D, in the subject line. This book, The Bible and Birth Control, is also available from Stillwater Revival Books in soft cover format at a discount in our A to Z author listings 
And please, don't forget to look over the 62 CDs that make up for our Reformation bookshelf and Puritan bookshelf CD sets if you visit our website at swrb.com as these CDs are a great way to build a major reform library at a fraction of the cost of the printed books.